Hello, and welcome to The Creek Podcast. This week, community pastor Kevin Groth talks from Genesis 12, 1 through 9, with a message entitled, Be Available. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you guys are here today. Uh, my name is Kevin Groth. I'm the community pastor here at The Creek. Uh, pastor Matt is... Uh, He's uh, was on vacation in Florida. He and Heather and Abby are safely back in town. I made sure of that, and they got home last night, and uh, and so they're all set. They're, they'll be bright, back to work bright and early tomorrow morning. And, you know, I just want to say I am just so thankful. I'm just I'm just filled with joy uh, over the community that I am seeing being built here at the creek. You know, people connecting with other uh, folks, guys and gals, and you know, men and women, uh, you know, this person's now friends with this person. They're hanging out. They're eating dinner with them and, and just going out and having a great time. You know, I just see that so much. And people are just living life in community. And this, and it's, it's such a great joy. You know, Scripture says that uh, one string by itself is easily snapped. But when it's round together with many other strings, it becomes a cord, and it's very hard to break. And so we, so it is also with community. And um, as as we as believers, we we surround ourselves with others of like mind. Still go into the world to preach the gospel, but living in community with each other, so that we can walk alongside each other and help each other through life. There, no matter how strong you are how manly of a man you are or how independent of a woman you may be. We still need somebody to walk alongside us in, in community. And I, it just, I see it now, and it's, just, uh, it's my job as the chief introducer, if you will, to introduce people to each other and help build that community. It's a joy to see that. And, uh, and we, we get to do a lot of fun things here at church. I love to do fun things and, uh, and, and to build community around those, those type of affinity type of groups there, as well as Bible studies and whatnot there. But, you know, we get to have, you know, rib cook-offs and big cookouts and, you know, a bunch of the guys get together. No, some of this is just for guys here. Well, not necessarily because some of you women outshot us. But, you know, we get together and go blow up skeet or, you know, go to the gun range or just do fun stuff and, you know, get on our motorcycles and terrorize the neighborhoods and, you know, just those building community through things that we love to do, Jeep uh, guys with Jeeps and, and girls with Jeeps there uh, that, you know, just go rock crawling, just having a bunch of things there. One, one new experience I had yesterday is with race cars. I haven't been, I, um, I haven't followed NASCAR, sorry. I know this is Texas and with the speedway right up the street, but uh, occasionally I'll watch it and, you know, I'll watch IndyCar and I'll watch Formula One sometimes too. And, uh, you know, IndyCar has been, it, it's probably been the forefront of my racing love. I shouldn't say love, but interest there as well. Well, something new came up yesterday and I, and I just, I want to thank, uh, you know, Adam and, and uh, Ryan and Dan and, and Chief Dave. We went out to uh, the Texas Motor Speedway and, and got to enjoy uh, the races yesterday. And we worked in conjunction with uh, a ministry that we prayerfully support. It's called Kingdom Racing. And this group of guys and, and, and women, they uh, they started this ministry several years ago, and their goal is to reach over a million people for Christ through the means of a racing, an IndyCar racing team. Crazy idea, but I love it. They uh, they knew Matt originally, and they have asked they asked us to come along to to support them, and so they invited us out uh, yesterday. Some some guys played uh, music in the background. We had an Indy car right there in front of us there, and it was just cool. 
And, uh, you know, Chief, uh, Chief Dave and, you know, some other people, we got out there and, and shared the gospel with people. And thousands of people either, you know, had seeds planted in their lives. It's just great to have that experience of, of community doing really fun things together and uh, enjoying the gospel. You know, I, I've, I want to go back and I want to thank Joseph Real, one of our elders at the church. He preached it last week. And, uh, you know, in, in the the providence and the sovereignty of God, just to show you how it works. You know, Matt told us, he, well, he, he basically told Joseph and I, we're going to preach coming up. And so we began to pray individually. Hey, God, what do you want us to teach on? And so, he, you know, he told Joseph, you know, um, standing in the gap and bridging that gap. And so part of it was about sin. And then for me, God was t- telling me to, you know, teach on being available to him, being available to God and to others. And we really, we didn't plan this out at all. It's just, it's just how God works there. You know, he uses little people like me and, and all of us there. He uses, you know, this, he takes this small and makes it big. And, you know, and, and they just go together, sin and, and availability. We'll talk a little bit a little bit more about that. But begin turning in your Bibles to uh, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. We're talk about a guy named Abram, one of the early patriarchs of our faith, so to speak. So Genesis 12, 1 through 9. This Bible's at the end of your rows there. Uh, take one and uh, take it home if you don't have one. But uh, start uh, look, uh, getting to those. It's in the front of the Bible. So what does availability look like? What does it mean to be available? Well, by the Bible dictionary, uh, we'll read that real quick. It's, it's being willing to adjust our own schedule, our own agenda, and our own plans to fit the desires of God and other people. And it, it is to reflect God's priority so that we're always available to Him and others when called upon to do so, when we're serving. A couple of illustrations I want to bring in today just to tell you a little bit more about us, Maria and I, my family there. Uh, we we uh, were raised in South Carolina, made it out here to Texas in 99, you know, got here as quickly as we could, as they say, uh, of course, and we love Texas. It's home to us now for sure. But, you know, God, he, he planted us in Cambodia. So for some reason, God took a you know little guy there and a, and a great wife, uh, and he, he he took us and he planted us as missionaries into in, into Cambodia, working with the Vietnamese people. Now, how we got there is part of the story that, that kind of mirrors some of the things that Abram went through. Basically, God chipped away at self, at you know at, at my my own pronouns, personal pronouns, the I's and me's, and he began to. Help me focus on other people. And he just kind of resu- uh, uh, removed that safety net, so to speak. And so he developed, you know, quickly, he developed a, a love for missions in our hearts. Um, and, but that didn't mean we go. That, that didn't mean that we were, had already signed up for Cambodia. It wasn't an instant thing. It was a slow process. We just, hey, we, we love foreign missions. Those guys are neat. You know, we kind of looked at them like, you know, kind of up high. And uh, they were just normal people like, you know, the rest of us for sure. But uh, we didn't sign up at, by any, any any choice there at that point. God was just helping us develop a, a, a heart for people. So what what can I do to, to develop a willingness to be available to God? Number one, God, search my heart. Ask God to search your heart. And so today, again, is the story of Abraham who later became 
Abraham as we know it. Let's read in this reading scripture. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I'll show you, and I will make you a great nation. This is God, the creator, telling this to a farmer in, in the Middle East. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. In verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him. Again, so Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot went with him. And, and Abram, he was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, a couple of things catch me in that. Number one, I, the, the things that I circled in my scripture was he, Abram went as the Lord told him. So God searched my heart. And, and for us in Cambodia, it was, you know, we, we didn't even think about Cambodia at that point. At that point, back in this was probably 97, 98, whatever, God was just putting a desire to not go anywhere, but just, you know, have love for other people. And that's how it started. You know, get our focus off of self. And, and so Abram was told by God to go, and the Lord told him to go. And he went. He did as he was told. Now, picture this place called Haran. And, and if you look at it's in modern-day Turkey. Turkey's kind of flat and long, and Haran is kind of at the bottom right on the map there in Turkey. A little history lesson, a little geography there. And a small town. And another thing that strikes me is Abram, he's 75 years old. He's an old dude, I don't see any 75-year-olds here, but uh, 75 old is me, it's old to me, but uh, he, he, even in, in the sunset of your life, God can still tell you to do something, and, and he still has a plan for you. And so we know through the story here, as we progress here, God, is, 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 he plants him and tells him to leave his, his father's place. You've been hanging out with dad, it's time to leave, you're 75, leave your relatives and, and go. And, and, I'm, and not only that, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing to others. Now, remember, Abraham or Abram became Abraham, and forgive me if I inter- interchange the two. But this is this is what the beginning of is what is called the Abrahamic covenant, theologically speaking. Interesting kind of thing there. And so, as we go along in the story, we'll find that uh, Abram and his followers and his people will travel from Haran down to. Land of Canaan. We'll figure it out in just a minute. So it's a long ways down there. He has to go through the southern part of of Turkey. He has to go through Syria, modern day Syria, through modern day Lebanon, part of Jordan, the country of Jordan, and then the, the long haul through the northern part of Israel. It's a long haul. It's about 400 miles by foot and camel, and uh, not by you know four wheel drive or anything like that. So that was the, that was what Abram was. He was available. He became available to God, and he said, God searched my heart. He was willing to go, and, uh, and he was available to go, and so God used him. <clears throat> Number two, grow my passion. Be willing to be available. You may not even be willing to be willing to be available there. You're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm closed off. I'm not going to go. I'm, I just want to be disobedient. I don't care. I don't want to do anything. I may not be called to Cambodia, but... Whatever that ministry over there, this children's ministry, or you know, whatever it may be, God may be calling you, and you, you may just say no, for sure. But be willing 
to be available. He's kind of like me, and you know, I, I, I want to have the desire to even be willing to go to the gym there. I mean, I, uh, it, it just—I uh, don't know why. It's probably—it's definitely a sin there. But I don't even have the desire to go. But you know, the pain involved there, lots of money, whatever it is, be willing to be available to go to grow your passion, of course. So, you know, some questions that I was thinking about is, you know, what kind of person it does God seek to use? What kind of qualifications does he or she have to have to do this? What kind of a natural leadership abilities do they need to, to you know, to, to get involved in ministry? Do they have to be, you know, just have some kind of a towering intellect? Do they have to be beautiful? Do they have to be the most exquisite speakers or the, you know, the, the, the fantastic you know, speakers? Or do they have to have great leadership available? And did they have to have raw natural talent? The answer to that is no. One of my favorite verses here, I don't think I've got it listed here, but it's in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. You can write it down for later use there. It says, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this. He says, remember, dear brothers, that few of you, were wise in the world's eyes and powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. And so as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God about their own abilities there. So that's kind of a verse that sums up my life. You know, how can God use somebody who is, you know, I'm probably 51% outgoing, but, man, I have a strong 49% introvert and shy. I get stage fright up here. I'm better just one-on-one or in a small group there. That's where I love to, you know, spend my time. But how can God use a, you know, I was a policeman in South Carolina prior to uh, coming to Texas and, and getting into ministry uh, you know, had a good career going there. Maria had a good career. But, you know, how can he use just a normal guy who, you know, seen a little bit part of the world and a, a, a little bit part of the human nature that probably some other people don't get to see, but, you know, the sin nature of man and the total depravity of man there. And, and how, how, how does God pick someone like me? You know, I, I'm, I'm nothing fancy at all, but God uses those people. He can use those you know, 49% just total fear, and he can use you. If, if you're, you may, some of you may be like me. God clearly says, you know, the answers to all those questions about, it is, do you have to be a, have a tower and intellect or be beautiful, just a fantastic speaker? God says, no. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. That's what he's interested in. He didn't care if, you know, what you do. Uh, he may use that. Uh, for his kingdom and for his glory there to teach others, but he cares about your availability more than your ability. And so God goes out of his ways, and he chooses sometimes the most unexpected people. You know, we, in our in our community group last semester, we studied the, the character of the 12 disciples. I mean, those guys were some raunchy, just bad people. 
I mean, there, there was a guy who was a corrupt government official. He was a tax collector. He was just corrupt. And it just, he was a bad person. You know, we'd, we'd string him up there and, and, and put him in front of Capitol Hill there, you know, today or send him off to jail. There's one guy, you know, called a zealot. Remember that guy? That is really a modern-day domestic terrorist, nothing more than that, honestly. He's just an ugly person there uh, and, and just evil. He used, you know, just rough characters in the 12 disciples. Jonah. You know, he's no sterling example. What did he do? God said, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh. What did he do? He said, he took off the other way. He went to Tarshish. He did some, you know, he, he ran. And, we, of course, we know what ended up happening to him. Elijah, he got scared, and he went and hid in a cave. Uh, Moses, now there's a picture of a great public speaker. He stuttered, and he just had a speech impediment. But God used, the guy stuttered, to, to, be, to lead the nation of Israel. Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, he doubted. You know, Jesus said, I am God. I, I am God incarnate in the flesh. And, and uh, Thomas said, prove it. And he said, you know, touch this. And then, you know, he you know, touched the Lord and he believed at that point. So he, Thomas doubted himself. And so, you know, what we have to do is to be willing to be available. And for us, the way it looked in, in for Cambodia was God grew our passion for the Cambodian people. Matter of fact, it was the... Um, it, it was the Vietnamese people of Cambodia. That's who we worked with. But uh, we had no idea we were going to you know, go to Cambodia. We, we didn't know. We didn't sign up for that. We just became interested in them and just kind of developed a, a love for them. And so he, God grew our passion. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty patriotic guy, you know, American flag, Pledge of Allegiance, you know, I, I'm Star Spangled Banner. That, that's pretty much me. You know, my dad was in the Air Force and, he back in Vietnam and back in the day, and uh, he, you know, here God is putting on a heart to work with Vietnamese people. And my dad, he used to bomb the stew out of them there. And he would, uh, he was part of a group called the Red River Rats. And basically, there's some pilots, fighter pilots here that bombed Hanoi above the Red River, which goes right through Hanoi. And um, God, you know, I just, I didn't ever think that I would be interested in serving communist people or loving a communist person there. But God took a patriotic person, a small guy, and he used that uh, to bring the gospel to those Vietnamese people. Matter of fact, it is, you know, going on here, we're going to learn what God did and kind of showed his stamp of, of authority and sovereignty to Abram and the Canaanite people. He did the same thing for me. Uh, we'll, we'll go into that in just a minute. Um, sec, uh, third, let's go real quick, is you know, recognize opportunities. Recognize opportunities. And pick up in verse 5, Genesis 12, verse 5. He took his wife Sarah, Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions that they had accumulated. And the people he, that he had require, acquired in Haran. Now, he didn't acquire slaves. What that means in, in that context in the original language, he acquired followers. So Abram was a good leader. He had some people following him as he himself followed God. And so, and continuing on, verse 5. Uh, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the Oak of Moreh. And at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. A couple 
big things that glare out to me there in that passage. Okay, we, we see that you know, he took Sarai, his wife, and, and, and Lot, and all the possessions that they had. You know, he, he, God had just finished telling them, hey, leave, leave your stuff, or, you know, go, you know, leave your family, leave your land in Haran up in Turkey, and then go to a place called Canaan. And then when they got to Canaan in verse 6, it, there's a couple things that, you know, you can glaze over if you read through too fast, but there's some important things to see God's sovereignty in the word, in, in his word. And so why does it say Shechem or this oak of oak tree and moray and the Canaanites? Why does it mention all them? A couple big things. First, the Canaanites have to know, and there were some they were mean people. They were, I mean, they were ungodly, they were hostile and dangerous to Abram and, and his people. And and Abram knew that. And so Look what God, look at look at the hand of God in this. He said, Abram, my son, take your people. I'm going to bless you, and you can bless all the nations of the world for all of time. You are going to be just the key to you know the, the game here. And I, not only that, uh, but I want you to go into a place called Canaan. And these Canaanites, they're just ungodly people. And so look at God's sovereignty. And almost it's just almost funny, and the way that God does that. And, and, and as a matter of fact, the Canaanites, they practiced their own religion. It was called the Canaanite fertility religion. And so you can imagine what they worshipped and how they worshipped back in those days. It was just, they were just a base people, base, uh, just a base people. It was, it was kind of ugly. But look at, now take it to another level. Look at what God does, his sovereignty. I'm going to send you to a land of Canaan and these Canaanites who practice this religion. But Look what he does also. Why does he mention the oak at Moray? Well, here's what happens with the oak at Moray. On the side of this hill in the land of Canaan, there was, there was uh, think of it like, a, um, like uh, a cult center or, you know, a, just think of, you know, Sedona or just some weird place, whoever, whatever's weird to you, whatever people are weird to you. They went and they just, uh, God said, in, in, in my sovereignty, I'm going to bless you. I'm sending you to Canaan. And on top of that, I'm going to send you to the cult center of the Canaanite fertility religion. You can imagine all the weird stuff that happened on that. So God planted them, took them 400 miles out of his way, and, and planted them right there on the, 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 beside the oaks that are on this more, uh, the hill of Moray. And so he recognized the opportunity, and he went. Abram went. For us in Cambodia, you know, it doesn't mean that uh, you you won't always have to pack up and go somewhere. It doesn't mean you're going to move anywhere. In our case, you know, we we said we better have said yes because God told us to go. So we, like Isaiah did, and the angel said in Isaiah, Isaiah 6, he said, the angel said, who will go for us? And I said, you know, Isaiah said, yeah, I'll go. Well, Marie and I did that. And we're nothing special, but, you know, we're just, I was just a cop. And Maria worked at a nursing home, and we just went. We're just normal people. We at that particular time, we said yes. And, and you know, like the Hathaways, they said yes, and God uprooted them and put them in Brazil. Normal people, loving normal people. God can use the small to make things big. He doesn't care. He just wants to use you. He wants you to be available. Number four, step out in faith. 
Step out of faith for Cambodia, for us. You know, although it was a few years ago, it's something that uh, we don't, you know, hang our hats on or relish any, you know, it was just one time that God, that God used us and since has used us and taught us many more times how to step out of faith. For us, it was literally, you know, he said, Kevin, Maria, go. And, and for us, it was just, it was scared because we were home people. And we, our families, our cars, our jobs were all there. And he said, go. And for us, it was just literally just stepping off the cliff. And that's just the way I picture it in my mind, was just totally black in front of me. In front of me. And uh, for Maria as well, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't have any jobs. You know, we knew that we needed a theological education. So we came out here to Southwestern Seminary and, and, and got a degree there just to learn the Bible deeper because we're going to be teaching it to the Vietnamese people, apparently. And so uh, we knew we needed to learn the Bible a little bit deeper and find a community of believers out here that would support us as we went out. So he did. But that first step was a step of faith. We had no idea. Didn't have any job, sold everything. Just, just went. I tell you, there's no better place to be centered in God's will than when you're just right square in his hands. You can be dead broke but it, you can be just on the time of your life. You have no idea where that meal is going to come from next. You know, have maybe a 1000 bucks in your pocket, whatever it may be. He may not be telling you to move, but he may be telling you to take a step of faith and, and you know, whatever, some kind of crazy harebrained idea for ministry you have. First, I want to talk to you about that because I love those kind of, those kind of ideas because they usually turn big and, um, and, and you know, reaching people for, for Christ, of course. But it, it may be working in the children's ministry or, or maybe you maybe you're introverted, but God's telling you to step out. Maybe it's you working in as a greeter, as a door greeter out front. Maybe that's just a step for you. All we're looking for is a warm smile, a warm and welcoming heart to welcome people in, because that's what the creek is known for is to is being a warm and welcome church, right? And we want to continue that on for sure. And it may be just a small step, but that's the way God works. He's not going to tell you immediately go to to go to Canaan immediately. He's going to take you a little bit at a time. And that's how he did with us as well. So God is calling you to your spiritual Canaan. He's calling you to that. may not mean a physical move again, but it definitely will be a spiritual move for you. From, literally, it's, a, it's almost like a, a musical term. It's switching from one key to the next. It, it's going to be a translation there for you where you're moving spiritually from one step to the next. Maybe small steps. That's how typically how God works there. So just going back into the word here, if, end of chapter, end of verse seven, seven uh, B. So Abram, so he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him, and from there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and set up his tent. And with Bethel on the west and I on the east. He built an altar to Yahweh there, and he called on the name of Yahweh. Then Abraham journeyed by stages to Negev. That's the Negev desert, southern part of, of, of Israel. So look how far he traveled. I don't know how far it is miles-wise from Canaan down to the Negev, but it, it's a couple hundred miles easy there. So, you know, five, six, seven hundred miles. He's walking. He's trucking it by foot, following God's will and God's call step by step. That's what he wants you to do. And so that, and that's what he did for us. You know, when we're, uh, when we, he called me um, uh, to go to kind of spy out the land. And so we, we took some trips over there to Cambodia and Vietnam. And uh, man, you know, I, I just didn't want to work 
with communist people. But he developed in me a love for people. And I'll remember I was flying in at night. It was like 11 or 12 at night. We were flying in and, and we, matter of fact, you know the little maps you see on the front of the plane there or in the cabin? You can see where you are. And as we got closer to Hanoi, I saw the little Red River. And I remember the Red River well because my dad had a patch for the Red River rats. It, it just stuck out of my mind. Real surreal feeling. I didn't even like these people. And uh, here I am going to serve them and preach Jesus to them and be all nice and stuff. But uh, all I remember is that, you know, last time somebody with the last name of Growth was here in in Vietnam, he was, my dad was there bombing the stew out of him. And here I am, but I'm taking the gospel this time. Isn't that crazy how God works there? Taking a patriotic family and then just kind of missing it all up and then see what we get. And that's how God works. And matter of fact, my buddies who I went with, they, uh, they were kind of excited to go see the Hanoi Hilton. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm out on that, man. I, I'm, you know, I'd rather do something crazy than go to Hanoi Hilton there because it did stupid stuff to American soldiers. And as God's sovereignty, you know, in, in the Canaan and Okamore, you know what he did? You know, the hotel we stayed at, you know where it was? It was, it was built on top of the Hanoi Hilton right beside it. They're the same land right there. And uh, my buddies came back and they say, yeah, the Hanoi Hilton's right down there. We could see it right out of my window. So I can't be patriotic there. So I went down, didn't go in. I went out to the door and just, you know, and it, God broke me down. And he took me those small steps. And here I go, and I have this love for some commies. And uh, that's it. I love them. I remember sitting down with some provincial communist leaders and uh, he, you know, taught me to love that guy and his family there. And we prayed, and I understand, you know, it's very undercover at that point, but understand that that guy came to know the Lord, not directly through me, through some other ways, but uh, that's how God works. Take us step by step along the way. What blocks us from being available to God and to others? Uh, the second main big point there. Well, number one, what Joseph preached on last week, one of the topics was sin. Sin blocks us from being available to God and to others. Here's how. I, I picture sin as just being a little brick. Uh, and, you know, you, you do enough and you have some unrepentant sin in your life, you things that are not confessed. You know, those bricks add up. and They become a wall after a while, you know, whatever period of time that is. You, you can't hear God's voice when, he, when you have enough sin in your life. You, you can't hear him. And so Joseph, he kind of tied it in. And, and, and today where God, you know, he, he had me preach on availability, it's just God's sovereignty. Uh, God wants you to, to turn from that sin and to break down that wall of sin so that you can hear his voice, so he can get you plugged into the kingdom where you can live a life that where you, you just feel significant, eternally significant in what I'm thinking about. Another way is, you know, whatever, what else blocks me from being available to others? Well, it's simple. You know, we just don't, we don't hear God's call. It could be a sin or it could be a business, busyness in life. Your, your schedule could be all jacked up and you, you could just be doing crazy things with, you know, having your kids go here and there. They're in prime league. They're in regular league. They're in all-stars or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you know how it gets. It gets very busy. But then, you know, maybe you just need to be a better steward of the time that God's given us. He's given us all 24 hours. He just wants you to be a better steward of that and plug it into things that are of significance eternally. Yes, we know we're plugging into the kids and the family like that, but we're, we're talking eternal, eternal things here as well. Good quality family time is awesome, but um, make sure that you're a good steward of the time. 
Because we all have this same 24 hours. The other one there is just being unwilling. You hear God telling you to do something, but you just say no. And stay clear, you know, there comes a lightning there, but uh, you could be just unwilling to do something there. And, you know, it's sin. That's it, what it is. And, and God will, will cause something in your life, may not be physical or whatever it may be, but it, he'll, he'll get your attention and he'll bring you back. So, you know, how do I, lastly, I just wanted to bring some leadership in this here. How do I model availability to those I lead? All of us lead somebody, your mom or your dad or your, uh, your a kid. You're leading your brother, whoever, somebody at work maybe. You're leading somebody. And God has got you in the position you are to lead somebody. And, and I, just, I go back to the same scripture, and I'll read it again because it's so important in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. I think I've got it down at the bottom of your sheet, sir. It says, remember, dear brothers, hopefully you'll hear this differently. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame and those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring nothing what the world considers uh, bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. It's not what about what you can do. It's not about your personal pronouns, the I's and me's. It's, it's, it's about God. It's not about what we do. It's not about your abilities. It's about your availability. That's what God wants to hear from you. Yes, God, search my heart. Help me to, to be willing to be available. Grow my passion for whatever God wants you to do. If you don't know what God wants you to do, let it, get with us and we'll help you with that. We can help you find some things. You know, again, I, I love serving and, and doing fun things. I love cooking. I'm not that good, but I love grilling. It's just manly and fun and fattening. But, you know, one of the, one of the ministries I have, uh, that we have here at the church that I'm so expectant of is just going to be one of the biggest ministries in church. I just feel it. I know it. <clears throat> and and that is our Creek Prayer Response Team. Talked a little bit about that about you know a month or so ago, and, and as we're developing leaders for that now, it's really coming together. Our CPR team, Creek Prayer and Response Team, it, it's, it's a way to reach out to the needs of others. could be spiritual need. could be uh, someone needs a lawn mowed. Uh, it could be someone needs a meal, whether you know they're sick or in the hospital, whatever it may be. Those are just some kind of high-level ideas that we have. But it would just as, as this thing grows, as this ministry, as God leads people to it, we know it's going to be big. And you know, guys, uh, we have a we have a meal ministry where we where we bring food to people. You know, after sometimes people get sick or you know they go to the hospital, or whatever. You know, there's that initial with a family time where the family comes in from all over and, you know, takes care of them. We want to step in at that second chapter, and we want to walk the second mile with those folks there because that's when they start feeling down and lonely. We want to walk beside them along the way. One of the ways is that meal team. And you just can happen to sign up for the CPR team out there in the, in the, in the, in the, on the welcome table. You know, a lot of the ladies will put together some fine casserole. You know, you can, you can sign up online. You can see what people are bringing. And this looks great. We got championship barbecuers here, men and women. 
because I saw your I saw your entry, tasted them like everybody else. Guys, why don't, why don't you get involved in that? Bring out your best. Bring out your breast, uh, brisket or ribs or whatever, and sign up to bring you know this person, whoever it may be. Bring them some good brisket. I know uh, that I know some people who are on the list now, and that brother loves him some brisket and some ribs. So I we'll call. I put out a call for that. He loves it, and you know it's a chance to walk alongside somebody and help them out. And because that's what we do. That's who we are as Creekers and, and, and Christians and, and followers of Christ. So sign up for that. There's many things. If you've got an idea for ministry, I don't care how harebrained idea it is, we want to hear that. It, 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 it just be some crazy idea. We want to know because we want to get you plugged into a ministry where you are leading a life of significance eternally and, and doing exactly what God has called you to do. Just step out in faith and do it. That's all God's asking you to do. It doesn't care about your ability. cares about your availability. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for teaching us your word today. Thank you for speaking through me and getting me out of the way, Lord. I pray that people will, will um, grow in the word and they'll, they'll be changed by what, you, um, what, you're, what you've said today. I pray that there's uh, conviction, uh, not because of any fancy words I said, but um, if, if you're telling people to do things, Lord, and to get involved in ministry, I, I pray that they'll be responsive so that they can bless other people. And they can take self and those personal pronouns out of the picture, and they can grow in you. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing here at the creek. We know it's all you. It's not us. And we, we give you all the credit, and we just thank you for, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.